Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A very good morning, good afternoon, Church of the Living God. We want to thank God for this is the day that the Lord has made for us and we rejoice and we are glad in this day because it is the day that God has made for us. David would have said, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen and amen. Once again, I want to give you a special welcome to this beautiful Sunday. May God continue to bless you as we come to the ministration of the word. To those who were not here on our first Sunday of 2019, we just want to say once again, a happy new year to you and we pray God's blessing upon your life. Amen and amen. Allow me to acknowledge in the house those who had traveled uh, and they are back and we thank God for keeping them well and safe. We want to welcome the, the Aikbe family in the house. We love you so much. Amen and amen. It is good to see you in the house of the Lord. It is good to see the Chitereka family in the house. We love you so much. May God continue to bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. How many are expectant of the word this morning? How many are expectant of the word this morning? Jesus says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. It's every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And uh, today I want to... Maybe I would say maybe continue from last Sunday's message, but I want to, for the next two Sundays, I want to be talking on what I call the influence of prayer. The influence of prayer. Somebody say the influence of prayer. If you would like to put it in the context of uh, our season, or maybe if you want to qualify that statement, I would say the influence of prayer upon your 2019 the influence of prayer upon your 2019. But this week and next week, I'm just going to be concentrating on this uh, subject, the influence of prayer, particularly concentrating on the place and the significance of prayer for a believer, especially in 2019. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. And when you look at it from our confession, uh, I can tie it very well with the, with the line that says, My daily walk with Christ is my source of knowledge, of understanding, and of wisdom. Praise be to God. My daily walk with Christ is my source of knowledge, of understanding, and uh, of wisdom. If you are going to tie it with our attributes, uh, that we were praying over during the 10 days, I would say this is the attribute of a habitual fellowship. Remember that day when we are praying over habitual what? Fellowship. I, I, I want maybe to maybe to somehow expand everything uh, from there. I'm pretty sure the IT guys are going to be helping me with my slides if we can get them ready because I'm going to be moving uh, just from there. Allow me maybe to begin to talk from um, an area that I, I, I'm well versed with, an area that I, I know very well. Um, not that I'm an expert in that area, but at least I've got some knowledge 
to share with you that I believe would help us to bring an understanding concerning today's word from the area of dentistry. Now, one of the, one of the things when you go to the dentist, I know I'm going to be having lots of questions after the service concerning dentistry. Please feel free to come and after that I'll pray for you. One of the things in dentistry, when you visit the dentist, when you just go for your normal checkup, which they recommend that you should go at least two times every year. Amen, people from Zim. Which they recommend that at least you should visit the dentist at least two times what? Two times in a year after every six months, depending with your condition. Sometimes they would say you need to come after every three months, after every two months. But as a standard, they normally say at least you need to come after every six months. Now, in terms of looking after your teeth, obviously we all know that they recommend that we should brush our teeth uh, at least two minutes. <laughs> at least what? At least two minutes you should brush, brush your teeth. And, uh, but when you, when, you, when you look at the brushing of teeth, uh, when you look at the structure of your teeth, the toothbrush is only able to brush the, the surfaces which the bristles can only reach. But when it comes to cleaning between your tooth, your teeth, when it comes to cleaning between your teeth, the tooth, the, the, the brush bristles, they cannot actually go in there and do a good clean. And sometimes they're not even able to go in there, depending with the structure of your teeth. If your teeth are quite uh, next to each other, then the brush won't be able to go there. But obviously, if you've got uh, some gaps in between, definitely the toothbrush will be able to do. Uh, so one of the things that is highly recommended is what they call flossing. Anybody say that? Been to the dentist and they're saying, you know what, you need to floss. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you need to floss uh, at least once a day. Yeah, if you do it quite effectively, they say you need to floss how many times? At least once a day. Why? Because they know that your toothbrush is not able to clean in between the teeth. So now this is a practice or a, this is one of those disciplines that you need to put into practice. But what I've discovered most of the times when, uh, when I'm at work, uh, when I used to do oral health education, just sitting down and educating people about their oral health, uh, I, I've come to discover that a lot of people, they tend not to do it simply because they haven't seen the importance of it. Now, if the, if the true worth of uh, flossing hasn't been understood, then the practice is not going to be highly esteemed. Is that clear to everybody? If, if you don't see the importance of flossing, uh, you, you will not practice flossing. You will not actually do the, the flossing. Now, when, now the, the, the challenge is that when we fail to understand the importance of flossing and then we do not do the flossing, it simply means we are not going to benefit from the practice of what? Of flossing. There is a great benefit. There is a great benefit because the toothbrush mainly deals with your teeth, the, the, the white part that we see in the mouth. But what the floss does is it, it helps a lot, especially to do with your gums. It helps a lot to do with what? With your gums. So when, when, when we fail to understand the significance or the importance of flowing, that means we are not going to reap the benefits of healthy gums. Yeah, I think this is simple, isn't it? Uh, today we're in the school of dentistry. <laughs> now, why, why am I bringing this to you? 
in, in our Christian journey, in our Christian walk, there are some practices which if they are not understood, we will not do them. Right? There are certain things in our Christian journey, if we don't understand, if we don't come to the understanding, then definitely the practice will not be highly esteemed. So as a result, we will not reap the benefit of that discipline. And one of the disciplines of, of, of a Christian or of a, of a believer, it is the discipline of prayer. Now, when prayer is not understood, or when the true worth of prayer is not fully embraced, then the practice of prayer is not going to be highly esteemed or valued. And when the practice of prayer is not a highly valued, then we will not be able to reap the benefits of prayer. <laughs> amen and amen. Are we together, church of the living God? Now, when it comes to prayer, everyone wants to reap the benefits of prayer. Everyone wants to reap the what? The benefits of prayer. But then we cannot reap the benefits of prayer without the practice of prayer. But then we cannot practice prayer without understanding the true worth of prayer. So it's okay to desire the benefits of prayer. Are you guys following the slides? Just try and read them and just follow with me if you can. Now, everyone wants to reap the benefits of prayer. That's why when everyone goes through a problem in their lives, one of the first things everyone thinks of, it is not reading the word. We think of prayer. I need to pray. When people go through stuff in their lives, when they come to pastor and they come to the leaders, they don't ask, please help me to read the Bible. But they say, please help me to to pray. Why? Because I've come to a place where I'm recognizing that there are benefits that come from what? From praying. But then in the absence of the practice of prayer, we will not be able to reap the benefits of what? We will not be able to reap the benefits of prayer. But can I urge you in 2019 that don't be one of those believers who is always reminded to pray by problems. Don't be one of those believers who is always reminded to pray by problems. Rather, make prayer a lifestyle. Make prayer what? A lifestyle. I think I've got everything on the slide, guys. Make prayer what? A lifestyle in your life. Now, to help us understand the influence of prayer, can I take you to the Old Testament worship? Let's just walk through the Old Testament worship. Thank you so much, guys. Let me just take you through the Old Testament way of worship. Why the Old Testament way of worship? The reason I want to take you there because in theology there's a statement that I really like so much which I have heard um, and, 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 and it really sat on my heart very well when I was studying theology. And here's the statement which they say, the, in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. Right? 
in the Old Testament, the, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is hidden. And then in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. Is that clear to you? In the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. And in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. Now, I must admit that in my Christian walk, if there's anything that has helped me to fully embrace, comprehend, understand, and appreciate the New Testament, it was the study that I did on the Old Testament. It, it, it really made a massive difference in my life. And this morning, I just want to take you through just one aspect of it that I'm believing that when you understand it, it must help you to appreciate the influence of prayer over 2019. Now, after Israel had lived in Egypt for almost 430 years, for almost how many years? 430 years where they were heavily exposed and conditioned to the way of the Egyptians in terms of worship. After that 430 years, God came and by his mighty hand, he delivered Israel out of Egypt. And now we see Israel in the wilderness. They are walking from Egypt to Canaan, but God chose, chose the root of the wilderness. God chose the way of the wilderness. When you come to chapter number 19, God establishes Israel as a unique nation. And from there, God begins to give a prescription about how Israel was supposed to live, number one, and number two, how Israel was supposed to worship God. It was in the wilderness that God Gave a prescription. Anybody who's received a prescription from the dentist? Or from the doctor? Let's move away from the dentist. Otherwise, you must continue to think about flossing. Anybody who received a prescription from the doctor? You, you've got, you just have got to follow it, isn't it? If they say it three times a day, it's three times what? You've got to follow the prescription. So the, the, power, the power of reaping the harvest of a prescription is to follow the instruction. Yeah, the moment you, the doctor says three times a day, and then you, you say, ah, let me just push it to four times a day because mm, I'm really coughing big, big, big time. You can have side effects. You can, you can take an overdose. And then instead of you getting better, things can actually get what? Get worse. So in the wilderness, what we see is God prescribing how Israel, number one, is supposed to live, and number two, how Israel is supposed to worship. Now, concerning how Israel is supposed to live, this is where now we get what are called the laws that God gave to Israel. And there were three main categories of the laws. Number one is what they call the moral laws. And number two, they're what they called the civil laws. And number three, what they called the ceremonial laws. These were the three main categories of the laws. God is just giving them so that Israel would begin to know how they ought to live as a unique nation before God. The moral laws, the civil laws, and then number three, the ceremonial laws. Not only did God prescribe how Israel was supposed to live, but he also prescribed how they were supposed to worship 
God. Now, in this prescription, we find a number of things that God began to share to Israel. The first thing that I want to draw attention to was the tabernacle. God gave the details concerning the tabernacle so that Israel would know how to worship. When we are talking about worship from the Old Testament, it is not the slow songs. Yeah? When we talk about worship from the Old Testament or from the New Testament, worship is not three slow songs. But worship is approaching God. Worship is everything to do with approaching God. That's worship. A time shall come when you shall neither worship God in this mountain or in Jerusalem, but you shall worship me in spirit and in truth. He's talking about approaching God, that a time is coming when you're not going to approach me through the system that is used on Mount Gerizim or through the system that is given in Jerusalem. But I'm introducing a new system. And I am the system. So worship is about approaching God. So the first thing that God begins to prescribe is the tabernacle. And the tabernacle can be divided into three for understanding. There's what they called the outer, outer court. And there was what they called the holy place. And then number three, the most holy place, what we call the holy of holies. I'm pretty sure you have heard the present worship at some place saying, now we want to enter into the holy of holies. I want you to lift up your hands as we take some time to enter into the holy of holies. They're getting it from the Old Testament. From the tabernacle. Not only did give the tabernacle, but God also gave what are called the feast of Israel. The feast of Israel and three outstanding ones. Number one was the feast of Passover. We haven't come to there, sorry. The feast of Passover, number one. And number two, the feast of Pentecost. And number three, the tabernacles. And number three, the tabernacles. Number one, the feast of Passover, that's where we get the Easter from. And number two, the Pentecost, where we get about the outpouring of the Spirit upon the church. And number three, the tabernacles. This is God prescribing how Israel is supposed to what? To worship God. Not only did God give the feast of Israel, but he also gave the five offerings that you find in the book of Leviticus. I know it's one of those most difficult books to read. The book of Leviticus, God gives the five offerings. Number one, what they call the burnt offering. Number two, he gave what they call the meal offering. Number three, what they call the fellowship offering. Number four, what they call the sin offering. And number five, what they call the guilt offering. Now, this is God prescribing to Israel how Israel is supposed to approach God. That when it comes to worship, you don't just come empty-handed, but you must bring a sacrifice. No wonder why in the New Testament Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Because according to the Old Testament, there is no way you would approach God without a sacrifice. It's God prescribing how Israel is supposed to worship. Not only did God give the offerings, he also gave the priesthood. The priesthood. 
the priesthood, ah, this is one of my best areas in terms of learning the Old Testament. The priesthood. And there are three areas also concerning the priesthood. There's what they call the high priest. The high priest, the one who would enter the holy of holies only once a year. And number two, there's what they call the Aaronic priesthood or the priesthood of Aaron. Because Aaron was the first priest to be ordained by God. The brother of Moses. The first priest to be ordained by God. And number three, there's what they call the Levitical priesthood. The Levites are the ones who were ordained by God to help the priest. And the priest, they worked hand in hand with the high priest. Is that clear to you? Now, all these things, God is prescribing to Israel how Israel is supposed to worship. Now, out of this whole prescription, can I draw your attention just to the tabernacle? Just to what? Just to the tabernacle. It's called, a, it was a tent. It was a tent. It was a tent. And I think I've got a picture for that one. Now, when you look just inside this wide wall, which was a white or a linen curtain, which was like a jura wall. Now, inside here, that's where the tabernacle is. Actually, the tabernacle is this compartment here with two compartments. That is the tabernacle. Now, Israel came around this tabernacle. So the way Israel camped at any given time in the wilderness, they had to camp around the what? The tabernacle. So that means the tabernacle was at the center of their camp. At any given time, the tabernacle was positioned right in the middle of Israel's camps. Now looking at the tabernacle, this outer part here where we are seeing the priest doing some work, that is what they called the outer court. I'm going to be teaching this morning, so I just want you to follow me very carefully. That is what it's called, what? The outer court. This is where uh, the likes of Pastor Danny, that's where the likes of uh, Mr. Majaya, that's where the likes of everyone like us would bring in their sacrifice to the priest. Now, when you look at the outside of the court, there were only two pieces of furniture that you would find outside in the outer court. Number one, which is here. Can you see from there? The first one is here, which they called the brazen altar or the altar of burnt offering. That was the first place people would go to when they come to worship God. And that was the place where the sacrifices were offered unto God, were put on this altar, and then fire would burn all the, all the, the sacrifice. First place. The second place is here, next to the brazen altar. It was called the brazen lava. It was a dish, a big dish where they put water. And the priest, after offering the sacrifices, only the priest had to go and wash their hands and their feet. So it was a place of cleansing where the priest had to go and wash. And after the washing, they had to come in through this curtain here and enter into what now they called the tabernacle. The priest would enter inside here. Now inside the tabernacle, the first compartment, which is called there, there, 
which is called the holy place. The first room they entered was called the holy place. There were three pieces of furniture that were in there. The first piece of furniture is here, was called the table on your right. It's called the table of shoebread. Somebody say the table of shoebread. Opposite the table of shoebread was the lampstand or the golden lampstand, this one here. So opposite the table of shoebread, where they would put the bread, which was consumed by the working priest. Opposite, there was the golden lamp, which gave light in, in, the, in the holy place. Now, right in the front here, is an altar, which they called the altar of incense. The altar of of incense. Somebody say the altar of incense. Other translations, they, they call it the golden altar. So in, 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 in Israel's way of worship, there were two altars that God ordained. The first one is the one outside, the altar of burnt offering. And the other one, the one inside, which is called the altar of incense. Now, next to the altar of incense, that's where the veil was. The veil was a curtain which separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Are you following with me? I really want you to get this because this is going to be very, very important in 2019. Next to the altar of incense was the curtain which was called the veil which separated the holy place from the most holy place or from the holy place. Now, when you enter into the last room, which is called there, the Holy of Holies, there was only one piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant inside here. This one here, the Ark of the Covenant. So whenever Israel wanted to worship, they would start from here, bringing the sacrifices. And from here, the priest had to take the blood of the sacrifices, come here and wash their hands and their feet. And from there, the priest, not you, not the one who has come to worship, but only the priest, they would enter into the tabernacle. And as they enter into the tabernacle, they would go straight to the altar of incense. And from the altar of incense, only once a year, the high priest was allowed to enter into the holy of holies once a year. But on that day, the priest entered two times. On that day, the priest entered two times, but only once a, once a year. Now, when you look at the significance of the tabernacle, what I like about the tabernacle, it is what it pointed to. The tabernacle was a shadow of things yet to come. The tabernacle was a shadow of things yet to come. I'm sure you've heard people say the Old Testament is the shadow of the New Testament. So that makes the New Testament the reality. Because if I'm standing here, unfortunately, I don't know where I've left my shadow. I think I've left my shadow at home. If my shadow was here, that's an indication that the real object is, uh, is there. So if you follow the shadow, the shadow should take you to the reality. 
to the real object that is casting the shadow. So that is exactly what the Old Testament is like. And that is exactly what the tabernacle is like. If you can take me to the next slide. Now, if you are to walk from the outer court, where there is the first piece of furniture, the altar of burnt offering, and walk straight, it will take you to the Ark of the Covenant via the altar of incense. So if you are to walk from the outer court here, starting from the altar of burnt offering, where you have offered your sacrifice, and the priest had to walk straight into the Hall of Holies, the priest would pass through the altar of incense, and that, that straight line would take the priest right to the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in Israel. Because that was the highest seat it was, it was the place of God's abode. The Ark of the Covenant speaks of the presence of God. Now, I'll leave that line there. If I'm going to ask the priest to walk from the table of shewbread to the golden lampstand, the next slide. What do you see there? It's the cross is the cross. So if we are to connect all the pieces of furniture, starting with the Ark of the Covenant, with the altar of burnt offering, outside, going inside, straight to the Ark of the Covenant, connecting also the altar of incense, the table of shewbread, and the golden lampstand. If you're going to look at it from the bird's eye view, what you will see from above is the, uh, is the cross. So, when we are talking about the tabernacle, it was a shadow of things yet to come. And what the tabernacle was giving shadow to, it was giving shadow to the cross. It was giving shadow to the cross. So, every time we come to the study of the tabernacle, you cannot afford not to see the finished work of the cross. Because while Israel was worshipping, God was casting a shadow in the Old Testament of what was yet to come into the New Testament, which is the cross. And who was going to lie on this cross? Is the man called Jesus the Christ. So it's possible for us to say the tabernacle was a shadow or it was a type or it was a symbol of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. So every time you're studying the tabernacle, I want you to remember that it must take you to the man called Jesus the Christ and it must take you to the finished work of the cross. But inside this tabernacle, is the next slide. If you go inside the tabernacle now, this is the, the outline, the floor plan of it, of just the tabernacle, the two rooms. You've got the golden lampstand on that side, 
the table of shewbread, the altar of incense, and this line is the curtain. When you go inside the curtain, what you have is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this first part is what is called the holy place, and this part is what is called the most holy place. Now, what I like about the tabernacle is that everything that is happening outside has to do with the shedding of the blood. The shedding of the blood. The shedding of the blood. It has everything to do with sacrifices. It has everything to do what? With sacrifices. In theology, we call the outside, the outer court was, was, was pointing to, to the Old Testament way of worship. The Old Testament dispensation. The times of Moses where they had to bring in sacrifices unto God and stand on the altar of bread offering and stand on the brass and lava for the washing, for the cleansing. But then the New Testament dispensation is represented by the holy place. Now this is where the church is positioned in here in the holy place. Why do I say so? Because the light of the Christian church, the light of, of us as the New Testament believers, it comes from the lampstand which speaks of the Holy Spirit. Because in our time, the one who is supposed to give light to us is the Holy Spirit. And the, the believers of the New Testament, they feed on the bread from this table. And who is the bread of life? Is Jesus the Christ. And the lifestyle of the New Testament believers is from the altar of incense. Altar of incense speaks of the ministry of prayer altar of incense, it speaks of the ministration of, of prayer. Remember, I'm talking about the influence of, of prayer. The altar of incense. And that's the part that I want to concentrate on. The altar of incense. Now, how, how, what's the picture like of the altar of incense? What's the picture like of the altar of incense? Next slide. Next one. That was the altar of incense. Now, can I take you to Exodus chapter number 30? And I'll read from verse number 1 through to 10. Just use the same slides. I've got everything there. Thank you. Exodus chapter number 30, next, verse number 1 to 2. God is giving instructions to Israel, and this is what he says. Make an altar of what? Acacia wood. For burning incense, it is to be a square, a cubit long, and a cubit wide, and two cubits high. Its horns, these four horns, one, two, three, four. Its horns of one piece with it. They must be connected. God is giving details concerning the altar of incense. Make it out of what? Of acacia wood. And I'll just explain as we go. Acacia wood was an important type of a wood in the Bible. Because acacia wood, it spoke of the incorruptible nature. Incorruptible nature. But when you look at it here, this is not wood. Verse number two. The next one. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with what? With pure gold and make a gold molding around it or a crown around it. Golden one. So the first part is saying make it out of acacia wood. And then overlay that acacia wood with what? With gold. So when you look at this altar, you don't see the acacia wood. 
But what do you see? You see the gold. So there is a fusion of two materials. Wood and gold. Now, wood in the tabernacle, it speaks of the humanity side of Christ. And God speaks of the divine nature or the deity. Are we together, the church of the living God? Now, it's only in the person of Jesus Christ where we find one man who is man, just like us. But at the same time, he is God. It's two materials or two natures that we find in one piece of furniture. That we find in one person who is called Jesus the Christ. He was man, but at the same time, he was God. So when you are coming to the altar of incense, you are actually coming to God, to Christ. Coming to the altar of incense, you are actually coming to Christ himself. The next verse. Make two gold rings. These rings here, one, two here. Below the molding, that's below the crown. Two on each side. So on the other side here, there are also two rings. And the purpose of these ones is to hold the poles used in carrying. Because every time Israel, they, they, they pitched, they would uh, put the tabernacle. And every time God says, now it's time to move, what the priest had to do, they would come and cover that altar with some cloths. And then the priest would put those poles and carry them on their, on their shoulders. Is the same way they were supposed to do with the altar of burnt offering. Do you remember that day when David was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel? What was what David forgot on that day? Was that the prescription said whenever you are moving from one place to the other, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Incense? It, you must put poles and the priest must put the poles on their shoulders. But what did David do? They put the ark on the cart. They lost the prescription. Is it making sense to you now? Instead of it being carried on the shoulders, the responsibility of the priest, the ark, they shifted the responsibility of the presence of God from them and they put it on the cart. And when it was about to fall or stumble, Uzzah came in and tried to what? To help. But the problem is the prescription hasn't been followed. And the Bible says he was struck there and there and he died. The reason why God had struck him because Israel was not following the prescription. Obedience is very important in the life of a believer. Obedience is very important in the life of a believer. Next part. Make the poles of acacia wood as well. And overlay them with gold. So you don't see the acacia wood. But what you see is what? It is the gold. That is what you see. That is what you see. Verse number six. I think it's the last one. Put the altar. Where? In front of what? Do you remember the kitchen? The one that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. The veil. Put the ark there. So the ark was inside the holy place. Just next to the veil. Well. 
Now, what I like about this portion of the scripture is what I want to concentrate on, on what I call the three P's of prayer. The place, the preparation, and the participation. The place, the preparation, and the participation. And today, I just want to consider number one, the place. The place. And then I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The place. The reason why I want to bring this to you is because the practice of prayer comes from understanding the true worth of prayer. The practice of prayer, where does it come from? It comes from understanding the true worth of prayer. Now, when you look at the altar of incense, what I like about the altar of incense is that it was at the very heart of the tabernacle. It was at the very heart of what? Of the tabernacle. Not only was it at the very heart of the tabernacle, but it was the highest piece of furniture in the tabernacle. In terms of height, it was the highest, tallest. I'll put it that way. It was the highest piece of furniture. So if you are to take the golden lampstand, if you are to take the table of shoe bread and take the, the, the oat of incense, the oat of incense in terms of height, it was the highest. Why am I saying this to the church of the living God? This is showing the significance of prayer in the life of a believer, but beginning with Christ himself. Prayer ought to be at the heart of a believer. Now, this is revealed by where God positioned the ark, the altar of incense. It was right at the heart of the tabernacle. If you are going to lie, Jesus, on that cross that I've shown you over the tabernacle, the altar of incense was right here. Right here is the ark of, is the, ark of the covenant. And then right here, you've got the altar of incense. On the right side, you've got the golden lampstand. On the left side, you've got the table of showbread. And going outside the tabernacle, on the knees, what you have, you've got the brass and lava. And then on the feet, you've got the altar of, of, of burnt offering. But right on the heart of the tabernacle, God positioned what? The altar of incense. And I'm saying to you, the altar speaks of Christ. Incense speaks of prayers or intercession. Now, when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus valued prayer. Prayer was at the heart of the ministry of Jesus the Christ. Such that when you look in the book of Matthew, chapter number 14, verse 23, and Luke, chapter number 5, verse 16, I think one of our prayer points highlighted Luke, chapter number 5, verse number 16, which says, Jesus frequently withdrew himself from the crowd and he would go to the mountainside to what? Not to be on Facebook. No. He never withdrew from the crowd to go on Instagram. Ah, He withdrew from the crowds and he went to a place of prayer. So when you come to the New Testament, we begin to see the heart of Jesus Christ. It was on prayer. He never did anything outside prayer. Even when he chose the 12 disciples, the Bible says he went on the mountain to pray the whole night. And the following day, he came and he began to choose the disciples. They were birthed from prayer. They were a product of prayer. They were a result of prayer. Why? Because prayer was in the heart of Jesus Christ. 
It was in the heart of Jesus Christ. And what I like about you and I is that anyone who is in Christ, the Bible says you are a new creation. Now, if prayer was on the heart of our Savior, our Master, that means the heart of the disciples must also have prayer on it. Prayerlessness will not work for you in 2019. If you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ in 2019, then we ought to follow the footsteps of our master. He valued the practice of prayer. Why? Because he understood the true worth of prayer. He frequently, that means it's something that he wasn't doing once in a while. But this was now what? A lifestyle. Jesus wasn't reminded to pray by the opposition of the Pharisees. Uh -uh. It was a lifestyle. He would run away from people. Do you remember that day when he fed 5,000 people? And the scripture says when, when he dismissed people and everyone says, he went to the mountain to pray. Why? Because prayer was of great importance in his life. Can I suggest to you, Church of the Living God, that in 2019, can I suggest to you that in 2019, can you make it a purpose in your life that prayer is going to be on your heart? Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? Let prayer be on your heart. Pray all the time. In everything that you do, make prayer be positioned nowhere else but on your heart. I remember the other time the disciples in Matthew 6, they came to Jesus. They heard him praying according to Luke. And the disciples says, mm, we like this one. We like what's happening here. We like this practice. We like this discipline. And the disciples had to ask, teacher, master, show us how to pray. Because they saw how he was praying. They saw how he valued prayer. They saw how he highly regarded and esteemed prayer in his life. Don't make prayer an ad hoc thing. But prayer should be an ongoing thing. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the priest, they came to offer incense on this altar two times a day. I like that one. The prescription according to the Old Testament, the priest was supposed to come and offer incense in the morning and in the afternoon. The same time they offered daily sacrifices, the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice, it was the same time they were supposed to come and stand and minister on the altar of incense two times a day. At nine o'clock in the morning and at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's why you find Peter and John in Acts chapter number 3, when they were going to the temple, the Bible says, at the hour of... Ever read that? At the hour of prayer, Peter and John were going to the temple. And when they were passing through the beautiful gate, they saw a man who was lame from birth. At the time of what? That means even the believers, they valued prayer in their lives. No wonder why the New Testament church or the early church, it walked in so much power. It walked in great miracles and wonders. Why? Because they valued prayer. They valued prayer. The quickest way to become weak as a believer is by not praying. It's very, if you want to try it, try it. 
so that you can have what? First hand evidence. Some of us, we don't even need to try. Just by looking at our life, if you do an inspection on yourself, it will just reveal that ah, the reason why I'm weak, the altar of incense is missing in my life. But I'm here to encourage you this morning that you can bounce back to a place of strength. That you can bounce back to a place of what? Of power. Why? Because you are engaging the significance and the importance of prayer in your life as a believer. Oh my goodness, I, I just pray somebody's hearing this. As a matter of fact, the New Testament, it goes on to say, even the Holy Spirit is a ministry of intercession. Romans 8, verse number 25, 26. Even when we don't know how we ought to pray. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He helps us with groanings. He means for prayer. It's, it's the altar of incense in the New Testament. When God visited Zachariah, the father of John, where was he? On the altar of incense. There are some visitations that will not come if you are not a prayerful person. You can wish and desire them until you come and stand on the altar of incense. Call to prayer. Pray. It's a discipline of prayer. Discipline of prayer. Go ahead and pray. Not only was the altar the highest piece of furniture, but here's the one. I'm going to conclude with this one. I really like it. The altar of incense the altar of incense was the nearest piece of furniture to the Ark of the Covenant. It was the nearest piece of furniture to the Ark of the Covenant. The altar of burnt offering was far away outside. Do you mind giving me the picture again? The actual picture. pictures will help us. Thank you. Now, the altar is too far away from the Ark of the Covenant of Ben Jofari. The present lava is too far away. Yes, when you enter into the holy place, the golden lampstand is not as close as the altar of incense. Even the true bread is not as close. But what's closest, what's nearest to the Ark of the Covenant is the altar, only separated by the veil. Now, when you come to the New Testament, here's the part that I really like. The New Testament says when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple, what happened to it? It was torn asunder in two. So which means for a New Testament believer, there is now no more barrier between the altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant. You are so exposed to the presence of God under the New Covenant. So under the new covenant, the only way to become closer to God is through prayer. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure you can testify. If you want to be honest with me, don't raise your hand, but just say yes inside. The only time you feel closer to God is when you're prayerful. Yeah? The only, the only time you sense a presence and the, and the move of God, the sweetness of God, it is only when you're praying. 
And I'm wondering now, if we intensify our prayers, yeah, if, if we intensify our prayers, that means we're going, to be, we're going to be walking in the presence of God all the time. In the morning, when I woke up in the morning, the first thing that I do, I draw myself to the presence of God. Before I go to bed in the evening, I draw myself into the presence of God. Let me tell you, children of the Most High God, no matter what you're going to face during the day, you are already covered. No matter what you're going to face during the day, you know that you are not by yourself, but the presence of God is with you. Why? Because you are always drawing yourself closer to God. And it happens only through prayer. Only through prayer. But the sad part of it, even in this, the practice of prayer is one of the disciplines that is never practiced by many Christians. It's a Sunday thing. It's a practice that is done at the beginning of a year. It's almost 10 days. That is if there are really 10 days. <laughs> Praise be to God. The more we stand on the altar of incense, the closer we come to the presence of God. Church of Jesus Christ. I don't know how best I can persuade you to see the true worth of prayer in your life as an individual. But Pastor, it was only the high priest who entered. I remember I said, you are in Christ. And Christ is the high priest. We are the New Testament. We are the New Testament. We are called the believer priest according to the New Testament. That's why is it 2 Peter or 1 Peter 1 verse 9? Two nine, two nine, yeah. Which says you are a chosen generation, a holy, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So if you are a royal priesthood, that means your ministry is one of offering incense on the altar of incense. And what I like when you read Hebrews chapter number seven, verse twenty-five and twenty-six, it says. Christ, talking about Christ is our great high priest, it says he is able to save us completely or permanently or perfectly. He is able to save us. Why? The reason why he is able to save us completely is because he, he lives to intercede for us. Do you know that when Christ, when, Christ, when God raised Christ from the dead, according to Ephesians, he, he made him to sit in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. You know that? But he's not just sitting there and sleeping like some of the prime ministers and that I know from other countries. They're sitting in places of power, but they're sleeping. Some other country that I know, I won't mention the name. Christ is not sitting there idle. The ministry of Christ right now, it is a ministry of intercession. That's why even the New Testament says, even when we sin, we've got an advocate. One who represents, what is he doing there? He's interceding. The ministry of Christ right now, it is the ministry of prayer. And I, I wonder how, how, how we fail to balance it, that the Christ ministry right now is the ministry of intercession and prayer. But the church is another ministry. It pursues other things. When Christ, on the heart of Christ is intercession, is prayer. But the church is walking outside prayer. 
reason why he was able to face the opposition of the Pharisees, the reason why he was able to face all the threats and everything else and all the plots and, the, and, and all the snares that were thrown at him, it was because that man was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. He valued prayer so much. He never allowed what happened in the crowd to steal away his time of prayer. It's important, Church of the Living God, to have times where we withdraw ourselves from the noise of the crowd. It's important for you to withdraw yourself from the noise on social media. Close yourself and have a closet. Enter the tabernacle. Have time to pray. Have time to pray. Have time to pray. I, if there's one of the moments that I really cherish when I'm at home, it is a time of prayer. Then we just lock yourself in the bedroom, you lock yourself in the office, and you're just speaking to God. And I'm allowing God to speak to me. I'm allowing it, I'm writing down what is He's pointing, He's putting in my heart. I'm writing it down and I'm meditating upon it. I'm giving thanks to God. I'm giving honor to Him. I'm spending my time closer to God. Sometimes I go back and eat some food, and in no time I just sneak away. I go back in the bedroom and I and I continue because I feel that closeness to God. I feel that close, that hunger for God in my life. And I know some of us have been there before, but you're wondering what has happened in me. I miss those days. It's time to bounce back. It's time to go back to that place. It's time for you to go back to that place where prayer is one of your daily disciplines. Where prayer is one of the most important things a believer will ever do in their lives. You will not grow spiritually outside prayer. Never. You don't grow by saying amen in church. You don't grow by saying I receive. You don't grow by saying yes, Papa. You grow by spending time with the Savior, the Master. That's why in 29 we're saying, my daily walk, not my weekly walk, not my monthly walk, but my daily walk with Christ is my source of knowledge, of understanding, and of wisdom. That's habitual fellowship. If you want to increase your levels of wisdom, spend more time in prayer. I was sharing with someone the other day, I was doing some counseling over the phone the other day, and I said to the person that, you know what, for me, I know it. When, 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 I, when I'm going down in my prayer, it's easy to know because the quality of my decisions begins to go down. I begin to make some errors. I begin to make decisions that I have to change and regret. But every time I'm walking with the Lord, there is that confidence that comes. There is that boldness that comes. Why? Because I'm walking with God daily. Can I ask you from today, is prayer going to be on your heart in 2019? Is prayer going to be the highest piece of furniture in your house where you come and stand on all the time? Never underrate, never undermine the power and the significance of prayer in your life. If our master valued prayer to this extent, then we ought to follow suit as disciples. Value prayer in your life. Let's rise on our feet. Value prayer in your life. Value prayer in your life. Can I ask you, Church of the Living God, in 29, don't wait to be prompted to pray. Yeah? Don't wait for people to say, please pray, please pray. Ah, let it be on your heart. Let people struggle to say, hey, it's enough. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm waiting for that time where the chairpersons, they have to struggle to say, hey, let's, that's enough, let's move on to the next item. Then the other way around where we have to crank, <laughs> to crank each other. Like a start of a car which is not working. Needs a push. Get into momentum. Ah, not for you in 2019. I'm saying not for you in 2019. For you, prayer is going to be one of the most important things. And I'm saying, keep the fire going. Keep the fire of prayer going on in your life. I want you to pray to God this morning. I want you to make this prayer. And say, God, in 2019, help me. Holy Spirit, help me in 2019 to stand on the altar of incense all the time. Help me to come and stand on the altar of incense every day every day. Help me to begin my day on prayer. You can pray in that car while you're on your way to work. You can pray on the train to work. You can pray on the bus to school. You can pray while you're walking to school or to, or to college. You can pray on your way to the, to the lecture room. You can pray on your way to the interview. You can pray on your way to the, de to the dentist appointment. You can pray on your way to the surgery. And that prayer is most powerful. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It yields results. I want you to ask God for that grace. Holy Spirit, help me in 2019. Everyone in the room, I want you to ask God for that grace. Lord, grant me the grace in 2019 to stand on the altar. 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 Lord, help me, oh God. Lord, I pray today, oh God, that even myself as an individual. Lord, help me. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.